G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology, the Round 7 Review Edition on this crisp Sunday evening, Round 7, having just wrapped up and the Cats bowling along nicely on top of the ladder, a game clear of three sides now, Collingwood, GWS and perhaps somewhat unexpectedly, Brisbane. Uh, making up the eight, Fremantle, Adelaide, Port Adelaide and St Kilda still hanging on to a spot in the eight as uh, the season sort of starts to shake down but still plenty of twists and turns and surprises and we're going to wrap it all up for you in this podcast and to help me do that, my regular co-host who reckons he's a bit under the weather but he's struggling on anyway, Mark Fine. How are you? No, I'm good, I'm good. I'm always pleased to be here with you. Interested to hear via your reports that the big footy footyology page yes has been well I don't want to say it's been um, sort of uh, taken over by Andrews Hamburgers I'm sure they still they come for the footyology but they stay for the burgers well apparently. It's, it's fair to say there there are just as many comments about Andrews Burgers 144 Bridport Street Albert Park yes as there are about the actual show and I bet you they're positive oh they are absolutely overwhelmingly positive in fact uh, someone from Perth I think saying that they were actually going to come here just to sample Andrews Burgers you know what you'd sort of say well don't I hope you're not coming to if you think you're going to get um, truffles or something exotic, no, no, that's that, that's exactly why they want it. They they want to go back an in old time school burger, an old school burger served, of course, with a frothy can of passion. No, they I, the big <laughs> controversy is that their suppliers don't have passiona at the moment. So, oh no, I. I knocked it off with a can of Fanta. Nothing wrong Fanta. with that. Fanta. Uh, do they have Coke? No sugar. I'm very big on that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's not forget Nick Spartel. Love his work there in Albert Park doing not only home builds but home renovations for the stars like Dyson Heppel, like Scott Pendlebury. Who's now right up there in the Brownlow voting. Yes. He's like third favourite. Have oh, you been checking the umpire's votes, have you? I thought they were and kept the umpire, in camera. And the betting, sorry. Uh, the, um, betting. the Brownlow, Brownlow betting. betting. Yes. Brownlow betting. He's right up there. Don't forget Mike Sheen. You can never forget Mike Sheen. Did you, Mike Shane in the news this weekend, did you see that story? What happened? Uh, he was the, it's not funny, he was the victim of a internet scam and it's cost him about 40 grand or something. Oh, he, he didn't fall for the Nigerian. No, 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 I said it's not funny. Okay. Um, I think he was, uh, someone sort of hacked into an email and somehow got his bank details and yeah the police are onto it not very nice at all so if you're listening mike um sympathies and hopefully it'll all be cleared up soon why don't they hack my bank account if 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 these internet thieves hacked my account got my details and took all of my account yes they would have to pay thirty six dollars forty. I knew that punchline was coming it's it was, true. It was just a, it was just a question of how long it was going to take to get there well you know the other gag which is really quite Take my true. wife, please. Well, it's about my wife because no. I had my 
card. I lost my card about three weeks ago. Of course, I didn't. Did. Re- I didn't report it. Why? Because whoever whoever the, took it <laughs> was spending less than my wife. <laughs> oh, come on! You can do better than wife gags. Hi, Natalie, if you're listening, I, yeah. I'd tip you not. <laughs> she uh, does listen. D- does she? she? Listen? Yeah. Well, my sympathies, Natalie. Uh, I think we should get straight into it at this point, so let's do that. On Footyology, wrap around. Okay, nine big games to get through starting on Friday evening at Marvel Stadium and a big win to the Pies. Very efficient. Oh, they didn't kick that well, but apart from that, very efficient Collingwood machine. 15-18, 109 point victors over a disappointing Port Adelaide 10-9-69. And uh, unfortunately for the big Friday night uh, TV showpiece, Finey, this game was all done and dusted by quarter time, at which point the scores were 7-6 Collingwood, a miserable three behinds Port Adelaide. They had Buckley's, pardon the pun, chance of getting back into the game after that, and uh, thus it proved. Uh, from there, it was eight goals to ten, so Port won the last three quarters, but uh, whoop de doo in a nutshell. Uh, good spread of goal kickers for the Pies, four to Stevenson, red hot in that opening term, Elliot three, Majacek two, singles to Beams to Goey, Trelaw, Hoskin, Elliot Reed side bottom, and uh, shared around for Port too, but basically all singles apart from Lysette. Um, great performances from Penderbury. Fantastic again, the Pies skipper. Darcy Moore uh, becoming a real standout for them in defence. Good game from Phillips, I thought. Trelaw solid. Grundy, as ever, solid in the ruck. Uh, Langdon pretty good down back. Stevenson good up forward. Your thoughts? Okay, interesting things to come out of the game. Now there is a discussion because... Reed's return to the side was mm-hmm. very effective. Ben Reed yep. uh, provided, uh, served provider, uh, made great contests, uh, pushed up, and now the question is being asked whether Mason Cox, who really has been the first picked and picked when available, especially after that effort in the preliminary final last year, there was not a question mark on Cox's spot in that forward line, but ankle injury, like the Australian wicketkeeper, don't hand the gloves over, and... A lot of people, I certainly listened to Talkback since that game, a lot of people are putting Reed forward, and I think you can't play them both. I love the balance of that team. Yeah. And it's it really should be Reed or Cox. Which way would you go? Uh, you certainly can't play them both up forward. I, I'd be inclined to throw Reed down back. I mean, he's a premiership centre-half back. I think their balance is perfect, though. The way Moore reads the ball, Ruffhead is doing a job down there. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I don't think you change anything. It's, if it was Reed or Cox, which one would you go for? Oh, I'd go for Cox because okay. he's got the runs on the board. But I, I, I think Reed is the more natural footballer. footballer yeah. um, Covers uh, more ground. You'd look at the durability of both and suspect that, you know, and I don't wish this upon him, of course, but Reed's injury history is such that, you know, could he play out the season? But it's it's a nice selection dilemma to have. It's a battle within the club that they would love because it keeps Reed and Cox, you know, really striving for On excellence toes, and yeah. pushing themselves further. It's, it's exactly what you want in a football team. Collingwood... On Friday night, they got the job done, as you said, by quarter time. In fact, after quarter time, they were outscored by Port Adelaide. But I'm pleased to see Kenny Hinckley, or hear Kenny Hinckley in the post-match presser, point out that even though they were able to do that, he takes no 
uh, joy out of that fact. The game was lost. He understands exactly what those three quarters were in terms of football relevance, even though they did, they showed that good little patch in the second quarter and just at the start of the uh, second half that would have had Buckley just fidget ever so slightly. But yeah, but again, they frustrate, they frustrate me, Port, because their best is so good. But they are so. I think Flaky's a bit harsh, but you can't give up a seven goals to none no, first can't. quarter, and particularly on the road, and think you're going to pull it back. And they they sort of do. They don't give away seven goal quarters routinely, but you know they're they're up and down and up and down. And um, you know, have we actually seen their best since that? Oh yeah, well they knocked over West Coast in Perth, didn't they? But that and that first game against Melbourne, when I thought they were really impressive, and Melbourne weren't. You know, terrible at that stage. Um, aside from that, you know, it's a, it's classic Port Adelaide. They're a tease. They're the ultimate tease. I want to ask you this, um, yeah, and I want a very quick response. And I could ask this later, but I'll ask it now. Right at the moment, who's the better team, Collingwood or Geelong? Geelong at the moment. Though we'll see what the danger field injury and just exactly how they pull up from this game. That being said, I still stick with my. Grand final winning selection. I think the premiers will be Collingwood. I, they shouldn't have lost last year's grand final. Really, mm. the team's improved. Look, from last year's grand final, they've um, they've picked up Dane Beams back yep. into the side. Yeah, Roughhead has been a good inclusion. Yeah, uh, they've got Elliot's back. Yeah, and they've got Reed now to choose mm. from. I think there's one other player that they might have picked up. Anyhow, regardless of that, I think they're a better team than the one that should have won the flag last year. So. Geelong now, Collingwood later. Yeah, I'd actually tip... If Collingwood and Geelong play tomorrow, I'd probably tip the Pies. I think they can be a bit more explosive than the Cats. Having said this, Geelong did beat them in round one, but already round one in some ways seems a fair while ago. You know what a big big thing for Geelong in that battle is? That Stanley now is not... Is not blanketed by Grundy. He really can he can win that contest now. He's yes. going that well. Yeah, it'll be a great matchup anyway. And if that is the grand final we do end up getting, it'll be a corker. Okay, let's get on to Saturday. All right, at the G, the uh, the merger game. I saw some old '96 merger stories uh, revisited during the week, and uh, that was an epic. I wouldn't call this one an epic, but it was a, it was. A, I really enjoyed this game, and it was a tight finish. And I don't know. I felt like I don't think we've had that many tight finishes this year because it felt like a foreign sensation for the game to be in doubt with you know the last minute. On the clock, and the Demons prevailed in the end. 11 goals, 13-79 by five points over the Hawks, 11-8-74. Again, the goals spread around. Two to Hunt. He was the only multiple goal kicker. The rest all singles. Um, for the Hawks, the problem's probably the other way around. Uh, seven of their 11 goals kicked by Bruce and Gunston. The rest singles. Uh, James Harms, I thought the real standout player in this game, uh, managing to blanket... Jager O'Meara, after O'Meara got off to a terrific start. But had oh, the they lost meter his 250-metre penalties, yeah, yeah. the second one being he wasn't concentrating at all, but yeah. having given away a 50-metre penalty... You'd think you'd be more un- careful. Unforgivable. Yeah, 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 no, fair point. Uh, Gorn, again, outstanding in the ruck. Michael Hibbert, I thought his best game for some time. Christian Salem, pretty impressive too. And Clayton Oliver did what... 
Great he, do, of adults, he yeah. does, but um, more effectively than other games. And Nathan Jones, I thought, too, was... Yes, yeah, at, at some up. critical moments, too. For the Hawks, um, Gunston, very smart footballer. I, I really like watching Jack Gunston play. Bruce, uh, probably not among their best, but, you know, he made the most of his opportunities. Liam Shields, O'Meara early on. Um, Warple, OK. Hardwick, OK. Um, I thought Caden Brand played well. Yeah. Yeah, it was good, I thought. Yeah. I don't know. Does this game say... So, okay, Melbourne are now 2-5, and five, uh, but we both officially wrote them off last Thursday. Have we changed our minds in light of that result? No, no. no this I game doesn't. Either. This game... Wasn't a great somebody, standard, was it? Look, somebody had to win the game, and I'm not saying that it was a poor game, and it was full credit... Alistair Clarkson did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he said neither of these teams are winning the grand final. Yeah, I was very honest. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of bad... I think that's a bit of um, bad loser, to be honest. Yeah. Look, for Melbourne... Their season was completely shot if they lost this game, mm. and their form was terrible. And Hawthorne do know how to win games of football. They do. You know, it's not like getting on top of Gold Coast at the MCG. They still had to beat Hawthorne. So the win was full of merit. They really got challenged in that last quarter. They hung on. But that forward line, I mean, Petrarca could almost get dropped. I really just can't. Do you see what he did in the last quarter? He couldn't. He actually. There was a kick came in to full forward. I can't remember who was about to mark it. And he was so desperate to get involved in the play, he went for the mark, but he, all he did was bowl his player over. He could never have marked that ball. Mm. Um, he seems sadly out of touch. The The big problem it remains their, their talls at both ends of the ground, even though Frost did some good things. Well, hang on. Just let me chip in there because I thought Frost... Save them the game. No, just no about. he did some good things. Yes, it, he did. And I, well, that last act of play, almost he, I, I had a look at it again. Three separate efforts that quite possibly yeah. prevented Hawthorne getting the match-winning goal. But so. Hawthorne don't have a big goal kicking forward, do they? Uh, no. Well, not if Ruffy's not kicking him. No. Yeah, yeah and I think Ruffy's sort of a. He's a very clever utility type. For, you know, I'm not. Mitchell Lewis shows signs. Yeah, he showed some signs. But he? he's not. He's not a. Oh, is he a key I'm, forward? Yeah, I'm just saying. That what about Fro- Lewis Mitchell? He showed some signs. In that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, Frost. I don't think any Melbourne supporter really relies on him being a key, de- the key defender. So neither of those teams impress as premiership hopes. But for Melbourne, it just is unthinkable that they would have been one and five. Yeah. All right, one, uh, one and six, and uh, out of the running. So much better that they won. Another quick one without notice. So we don't think Melbourne can make the finals. Do we think Hawthorne can make the finals? No. Ooh. I wouldn't write them off, but I, I think there are. I think there might be at least eight better teams than yeah, them. Yeah, they, they, that midfield's very thin. I find it is, and I think one of their issues might be those younger players as a a group. I mean, Warple is clearly the standout of those younger players. And the others, you mentioned Brand, but they all seem to be at about the same level. They'll come in and do a bit here and a bit there, but none of them really seem to ever take the ball by the horns when they come into the team. And they haven't really had any midfield. A lot of them are sort of out out of the midfield, either key position or flanking times. I'd, I'd say at the moment Scully and Wingard aren't really... Their output isn't making much of a difference. I, I, I don't know what they expected. Scully is not a damaging footballer. And Wingard, he's either chocolate or boiled lollies. Yeah. And, you know, 
You're not getting a lot of chocolates. I think him. he got to give Scully a bit of time. I mean, remember that there were plenty of people who thought he, he might not ever play again. So yeah. um, Wingard more concerning for them, I think. But depth for the Hawks is definitely an issue, I think. Okay, that's enough on that game. Let's head up to Canberra. GWS taking on your Saints, Viney, and uh, ultimately a pretty comfortable win, 44 points, 18 goals, 6, nice accuracy there, 114 against the Saints, 10-10-70. Another 6 goals to big Jezza Cameron. Can he kick 100? I'm told he's on target to pass 100. Uh, two to Green, Himmelberg, Finlayson, and a spread of singles. And uh, three guys kicked two for the Saints, Kent, Marshall, and Parker. Jeremy Cameron, probably the standout. Uh, Zach Williams, very impressive off halfback. Tim Taranto, continuing his, his fantastic season. Haynes in defence, pretty good. Um, for your Saints, Steele, Ross, Marshall, pretty good. Marshall was great. Um, taking, on, taking on Mummy. Who throws his weight around? He was just—he's come back even meaner and more with more bad intentions than he did before. But Marshall's—he just stood up to him. It was a really good contest. I must admit, this game struck me a bit like the Friday night one, insofar as six goals of difference at quarter time. And you thought, well, that's that's it basically, and and so that's not what it was, mate. Well, no, I'm telling you, I don't know if you saw it in four. Yeah, no, I saw enough of it. Well, then you'd know that halfway through the third quarter, St Kilda were swarming over this team. Mm. I mean, St Kilda... Still had, lost the quarter, four goals to two. I'm saying halfway through the quarter. You know, at, there was a, at, at the 20-minute mark of the third quarter, St Kilda had kicked one goal, and the entries were 17-3. to three. Mm. St Kilda were pounding the ball forward. They eventually had a shot 16 points down from 20 metres out. Matthew Parker, who'd been... Good, and he missed it. The ball went up the other end. Um, GWS got a goal. And then, so, you know, it was 20 points of difference. But St Kilda would, had, they were thrashed in the first quarter, St Kilda. This looked how far. And really, the pendulum had swung way, St Kilda's way, just for contested ball, for every measurable. They got one goal, GWS. And then, I reckon, I love these marks. To me, close to mark of the year by Jeremy Cameron. Going with the flight of the ball. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was. Look, apparently at the ground, it was even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, high marking spectacular, but the the courage and the timing, and this was game over. Mm-hmm. At that point, it wasn't just 26 points ahead. It was the understanding that when they go forward, GWS have a purpose. So uh, how good a win is it for them, do you think? It's good because they had Whitfield out and then they lost late withdrawals of, you know, pretty pretty handy types, Josh Kelly and the captain, Phil Davis. Yeah. Now, St Kilda have been decimated. But St Kilda have an intent this year that means that you cannot come to the game 98%. Mm. You know, you need to be tuned in when you play St Kilda, because St Kilda do go very hard and they're, they're committed. Now, the great thing for GWS was that they matched that commitment and killed St Kilda on the class side of it. And to me, that's a, a, a well-rounded football team. So, look, the Saints are hanging in there. Do you think no, they're gone. You think, oh, I was going to say, do you think gone. they can hold their form? Gone. It's well, a, well, well, why would you say they're gone after a performance like that then? If you think well, Because they lost by 44 points. And that's exact. The performance was not terrible. Look, here's the thing. 
St Kilda had in their forward line yesterday, Bruce, who's out of sorts, but their forward line had John O'Marsh in it, who's mm. never played forward before, kicked his first ever goal. Look, he tried, but he's not an AFL forward. Why is he John O? Wasn't he John or Jonathan? Like, what's John O'Neill? Where is he? Cre- we know what, yeah, I know. Are they christened John O? No, it just it comes, it falls that way. Yeah, okay. Like my father was. Why aren't you Marco? Like, exactly, Marco. Why aren't I Roo? You're Roco. Well, well, I'm Roco. But it's interesting because my father was John Fine, but he was always known as Johnny. Yeah. Oh, it's sort of easy to understand with John. I'm, I'm just saying it's it's an affectation. Well, so, look, I've come up with the first tangent. Not an affectation. A, a uh, bastardization, a nickname. So, the for St Kilda, here's a problem, and it's been just this Annus Horribilis again. But so, look, Jack Stevens, Jack Stephen, I should say, has um, mental health issues. Is he going to come back this year? And we know the players that have that get cancelled, and we hope that they come back in in, in timely fashion. They tried for a few weeks. I've been. It's my understanding, Rowan. I'm pretty close. To the money on these things at St Kilda, he won't play again this year. Mm. No, I heard that. Right. Jaron Geary smothers a ball from Jaden Hunt. It's a cork thigh. And two days later, it's pretty clear he may not play again this year. Mm. Uh, Dylan Robertson plays very well in two preseason games. Will probably never play football again. McCartan goes for a ball, plays out the quarter, then after half time they come back in the preseason game and say, just as a precaution, they're not playing him in the second half. He is not playing again this year, maybe never again. Jake Carlisle has back soreness at the end of last year. He will not play this season. Hanbury gets recruited, has hamstring issues, will not play this season. There's nothing minor going on at St Kilda in the injury department. No, I can tell no, you that. No, they are spectacular. All, they are all season long injury. And I'll tell you what you know, we knew St Kilda had a fair raft of good players out for the year, but to lose the captain and the four-time B&F for the year, yeah, I think that's enough. Yep, no, fair point. Uh, so, pretty comfortable win in the end to the Giants. Yep. Uh, let's head up to the Gabba. Saturday Twilight. Uh, is this game called anything, Brisbane-Sydney? Did it used to be called something before the other... Queensland, New South Wales sides came in? No, but this actual game has a name. It doesn't have a, an ongoing name, but this game will be known as the Sayonara Swan Affair. Yeah, well... Adios! Okay, well, let's... Uh, let's That's two languages in one. Let's talk about it in detail. 14-19, 103, Brisbane, 12 goals, 9, 81, the Swans. So 22 points. In the end, I thought, I agree with you on the Swans, but I still thought it was a pretty good win to Brisbane in the end, given that they got the good start, and then the Swans really steeled themselves in that second quarter, and were, it was only two points to diff at half-time, and I thought, oh, this might be a classic sort of, you know, Sydney grinding, backs to the wall, win on the road, da 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 and Brisbane toughed it out, and they won the third quarter, probably not as decisively as they should have, because they kicked 4-7, um, but then they won the final quarter as well. And in the end, you know, 22 points. It's comfortable enough. Good spread of goal kickers for them. Uh, Zorko, Robinson, McLuggage. So their midfield won the day. Uh, Rich, impressive. Neil again. Berry. Um, for the Swans, gee, you don't see the same names going through the best there that you used to. You know, Hewitt. Uh, Papley was very good. Fent- uh, four goals to Papley, and one of them was superb. Um, Aaliyah. Is that his first name or surname they put in the best? 
uh, surname. I yep. made. I deliberately just said Aaliyah the once. Yeah, good. Um, Kennedy and Parker, but they're sort what? of well, they're sort of they put Kennedy in the best place. Well, they're tacked on at the end there. I think they're sort of a permanent fixture there. You just put it. I know that Kennedy gets a lot of ball that you don't realise when you read the stats, but I really didn't see much of Kennedy. You know what it is, funny? It's well, they were fourth and fifth best after the first three, and people feel embarrassed about only having three, three best yeah, yeah. in a game they lost by twenty two points. But um, I know I reckon the Swans' death knell came. Earlier than this, so I would have thought it was last week rather than this week. But uh, yeah, I mean they they are clearly gone now. The reason I said this week is because there is something to be said when you've got the absolute wood over a team. So when you've got a side that you've beaten the last twelve times, that it, it's the to me the the last preserve of your correct the dominance, la, the last remnants there. Yeah, I've watched sort it. of like when Essendon lost to St Kilda in. When was it? Nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, yeah. After twelve years or something. That's exactly. It's it's the last, the last of your dominion. Yeah. It, it, I've watched enough of those documentaries on lions. You know the, the takeover of, of the pride, and this wounded lion walks away. Well, this time it was the lion that wounded, the swan. And really, masters of their domain. Isn't that a Seinfeld episode? Yeah, that was. Um, that's the masturbation that's the music- one, isn't it? Yeah. The jacket, you know. The, I thought it was the yeah, masturbation yeah. one. No, oh, it's uh, there's so many threads in those shows, but it's the one where they meet Elaine's father. They're waiting to meet Elaine's father, and Jerry's got the suede jacket, the the new brown jacket, and George is there, and he keeps saying, "Master of the house, keep him." <laughs> it's it's from a musical. Anyway, going with the Swans. Funny guy, <laughs> do you remember? That? Funny guy, we had a funny guy with us in in World War Two. Copped a bullet to the brain, blew his brains out. Okay, the Swans. It's over. You know why it's over? Well, it's over. I'll tell you why. I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's over. Well, can I tell you first? Yeah, sure. It's over because they have no outside game and they've lost their inside game and they've got the most one-dimensional forward set up in the competition. They're all true. I'll just look at a team that has... And they've... You know, they are desperately clinging on to their very proud record of making finals. It's not like they've surrendered and they said, right, that's it, we're going to the bottom. So I admire them for what they are doing. But you know what they're doing in an attempt just to eke out every possible win before it truly is all over? What? They keep dropping and bringing the same players back. Yeah. You know, so that rotation, that rotation of guys that are not quite there but just keep being part of the team has to me indicates that they've got no they've got no answers waiting in the wings do they really I think that's true but I think there's an even more definitive um <laughs> their ladder position uh, yeah which <laughs> is 18th and yep. even below Carlton yep. on the ladder so yeah. last on the ladder with a percentage of 80 as opposed to Carlton who are at least 85.3 so yep. that pretty much says it all what about Brisbane do we think they can um eke out enough wins to threaten the finals i mean they they Fourth on the ladder. Yeah, I mean somebody has to. If I'm at if, five and two, if I'm saying, and I do believe Melbourne and Hawthorne are not going to make it, and St Kilda will drop out of the eight, then some there has to be some team coming up and grabbing that position. Now, of course, Essendon is a chance to do that. I guess on what we saw on the weekend, Bulldogs put their hands up and say, "Why can't we rattle off a few wins but, and get in there?" But Brisbane are there, and they're yeah. they're five and they're four, they're five and two. It's one of those classic cases, isn't it, where Brisbane will keep winning more than they lose, and we'll see the. I mean, right at the moment, Brisbane are fourth outside the eight at the moment in are, order. Are they on five wins? Yeah. 
that's a great start to the year. And outside the eight at the moment are Richmond, West Coast, Essendon, Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne. And it's that, is it cognitive dissonance? But you look at Brisbane at fourth and you look at those names down there and you think, nah, that'll change, that'll change. And then about two-thirds of the way through the season, you'll suddenly go, well, hang on, even if they lose all bar two games, they're going to make it. So yeah, that's right. I hope I, I can sort of acknowledge that before it's too late to make me look less stupid than my predicted ladder already makes me look. And if, if you ever look at their, their draw, they will have plenty of games up at the Gabba against teams that are struggling. You know, that, that, there's no, to me, there's no question that they can get to 11 wins. It's whether they can eke out a couple more and just sneak in. Yeah, they need a few on the road, don't yeah. they? But they've already had a uh, well, couple of them. Oh, they beat North here? Yeah, they did. Here being Melbourne. All right. Uh, well, the next game was here in Melbourne. Let's talk about it. Marvel Stadium, Saturday evening. Western Bulldogs taking on Richmond and a convincing win to the Bulldogs. That was more like it. 59 99. 47-point victors over Richmond, who were goalless in the last quarter, 7-10-52. And uh, I'm, I'm really dirty on myself, Finey, because you could tell the Bulldogs had turned it around with, a, I thought, a pretty reasonable performance against Freo in Perth last week. And I didn't have the you-know-whats to back it up with a tip this week, even against an injury-afflicted Richmond. And, uh, oh, some weeks they're injury afflicted, some weeks it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it mattered this week. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, were... it didn't matter because actually they were just outplayed and they didn't show anywhere near the resolve they had in previous weeks. Well, that's what took me aback. I mean, they were ahead at quarter time, um, but from there it was one-way traffic. Well, that in, second quarter was it, was In fact, from quarter time it was 13 goals to four. Yep. Um, Absolutely dominant performance up forward from Aaron Norton, which we're going to gloss over now because I want to talk about him a little bit later. But fantastic game from him. Three to, three, three to the... That's, what actually is that? I think I'm, I think it's an adaptation of... Um, it's from the Honeymooners. Oh, is it Norton, was it? Yeah, upstairs. You know, he, he's, his great mate was Norton. I knew I'd heard it somewhere, but it makes it, I thought it was an adaptation Norton. of Seinfeld going no, no. Newman. That's, that's the exact opposite. Newman's <laughs> an adaptation of Norton. Norton, I'm telling you, you know he's he's always smarter than Norton, but actually dumber than him. Jackie Gleason. Whatever disappointing effort by the Tigers. So um, Bulldogs five to Norton, three to Bontempelli, two to Gowers. Singles the rest, all singles for the Tigers. Uh, very good midfield collectively midfield performance from the doggies. McRae very good, racked up the touches. Uh, Dunkley, McLean, Caleb Daniel continuing his very fine season. And for Richmond, probably their best Sydney stack. Uh, Dion very good Sydney. Dion Prestia had a crack. Kane Lambert had a crack. Well, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I thought he was okay. Lambert, yeah. Oh, I thought he was all right. Um, Dusty, nah. no. No, no, no. No. Nah. No. A couple um, of injuries too. And uh, Daniel Rioli, yeah, caught yeah, really. uh, rib and a cork thigh. So... Uh, boy, the karma bus has hit the Tigers in terms of injury. But the Bulldogs, now they started the season well, lost four in a row, get another one back now. Where are they at exactly? I, I don't know. Because before this I game... I don't think they know. Before this game, I would have said they're, they're no good. You know, that they started okay, but their losses to Gold Coast here. and Yes, what, they were better last week. You were right. Yeah. But I just would have said they just don't have any reliable forward structure. Uh, Shaky didn't work, Norton, eh, before this week, I, I would have said, 
gee, he marks really well, but he doesn't put it on the scoreboard. Now, you know what this game to me was? Uh, not my, not your best mate, but somebody who's a good friend, maybe somebody you play cricket with every for years or a schoolmate that you see every now and then. It's like finding out, oh, did you hear about Damien? His wife left him for another woman. And he goes, what? It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't see that at all. We've been out with them. I, I never got a sense of that. I never got a sense of this thing happening. Where is this analogy? This, I did not see this game happening the way it happened. Oh, right. Okay. All right. If Fitzgray would have jumped, the doggies would have jumped them. and you know. But this game was, at quarter time, sort of set up the way Richmond worked their way into a game of football. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had no sense of what was about to happen. I got blindsided. I got blindsided. I thought Grimes would be able to handle Norton or any one key forward. Bulldogs don't have a tall structure up forward to worry Richmond, even without Rance and Asprey. And then, you know, Damien's wife happened because I just did not see it. So Aaron Norton is Damien's wife. No, the whole game was Damien's wife. Ah, okay. No, I'd say, like with this game, I'd say, great. I think it's a really good, good result. Yeah. But I just did not see Samantha... With another woman, you know, we'd been out a lot of times and I didn't yeah. see the Bulldogs winning this. Yeah. That's well, it. Well, it's 21st century, you know. Yeah, like but both happy for, more than happy to hang out at Samantha's place and to go to Bulldogs games. Well, I'm to, to get into the spirit of your analogy, I'm just saying that, you know, perhaps that's, perhaps the modern AFL is like the woman who bats for the other team. You know, it, it's just more, more, more less di- surprising. Different. There, there are more, p- more permutations and more different outcomes than was once the norm. I think the and a- this was the, the a- different outcome. The AFL competition now is result fluid. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, segment was brought to you by Israel Folau, who <laughs> also <laughs> uses a similar analogy. Jeez, I'm getting sick of that debate. He got <sighs> offered a million dollars. He what? He got offered a million dollars by Rugby Australia just to walk away from the game and not take legal action. Brilliant. Yes, he did. And what's he doing? It's not about money for Israel Folau. It's, okay. it's about being homophobic. And he wants the right to remain so. Mm, okay. I'll take the million bucks. All right. I'd, um, I'd take not being a homophobe. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would too. Um, do we think Aaron Norton can do that on a weekly basis? No, because he hasn't. No, I don't know. He's got the ability to develop into that, but who does it on a weekly basis anyhow? Jeremy Cameron. Well, that's about it those days, yeah. Uh, Troubles for the Tigers, in a a word? Okay, the trouble for the Tigers is... That was about seven words. No, no, no. No, the trouble for the Tigers is actually their latter position and wins and losses, because they're a premiership contender that wants to finish top four. Mm. Well, after seven games, the first thing they need to do is get in the eight, and that is not the... That's not the itinerary of a team on, on course for a premiership. That is true. However, they remain only a game out of the top four. Okay. So I'm just saying that, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not it's certainly not ideal. I'll give you that. All right. A uh, much less publicised game on Saturday evening at Optus Stadium in Perth. And a 23-point win to the Eagles, 11 14 80 to a, uh, yeah, I'll say it, a plucky Gold Coast, 8 9 
And one of those games, finally, where at half time the Eagles led by 39 points, and you thought, oh dear, this is going to be one of those 80, 90 point jobs. And credit where it's due, the Suns, I thought, showed a fair deal of resilience. Alternately, um, the Eagles really missed an opportunity to go for the jugular and, and really get some confidence back. So uh, whilst they won, and they'd be happy with that, I don't think they'd be ecstatic about the way in which they won. Uh, a rare vision available from that game. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Jack Darling holding a mark. No, that was unusual. <laughs> sort of halfway through the last quarter, 20 minutes in the last quarter, West Coast supporters, but angry, like with their turning around, sort of yelling at the ground, were streaming out of the ground and they were, they were ahead. <laughs> they had had enough. They were really frustrated, the West Coast Eagles supporters. Was this uh, was that also the game Cam Mooney dropped a mark whilst doing the boundary line, or was that Brisbane-Sydney? I didn't see that. Uh, well, it, was, yeah, it said a bit about the game. No, well, you you couldn't be happy with that. I've, I've had, as a supporter, those sort of wins where you walk away and you... But they were like groans, oh, uh, yeah. and then they just were walking out and sort of arguments, but, you know... Don't badmouth the team, but they're winning. <laughs> it was really... Yeah. When you're 39 points up, you're the reigning premiers, you're struggling for form, and you can get your teeth into a bit of a kill for some confidence. Against the you know youngest, rawest list in the competition. To only kick three goals in the second half is just not acceptable. Well, let's talk about pluses. Darling ended up with four, so that's got to be one, given the horror season he's had. Two to Kennedy, two to Sheed. Uh, Brad Shepard, pretty good for them. Sheed, yo. Um, Isn't Shepard a... We've, we've mentioned it before. When you talk about their what's great about West Coast, Shepard is not often mentioned. But no, he should be. No, he's a quiet achiever. I'm sure within the... What do they say? Inside within the, those four in, walls. Inside those four walls. Yes. He he has an annex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do we feel about West Coast? Do we still rate them? Are, are we off them? I still rate them. I, I, I think they're the sort of side that can get on a roll. Well, remember, I, remember I said earlier on, St Kilda's not great and they're, they're undermanned now, but yeah. they will put in the sort of effort that requires the opposition to have their heads screwed on right. Next week, St Kilda hosts West Coast. I'll tell you after round eight exactly what I think of the West Coast Eagles, but it really is up in the air. So you think the Saints are a pretty good chance? No, I think West Coast should beat them comfortably. It's at Marvel, I presume? Yes, it is. I think they should beat them comfortably and I'll tip accordingly, but if they, if they can't dispatch... St Kilda, then I fear that they, the, the the die is cast. Because if you look at this game, there's no improvement on what has been, except for the Collingwood win at the MCG, a very disappointing defence of their premiership. So, uh, alternately, what about the Gold Coast? They've had a couple of really disappointing defeats in a row. This is a, a third one, but um, showed a bit. Can they per- parlay... I was going to say Purloin. Can they parlay that? They, no, Purloin is correct. I think they would have to steal some games <laughs> yeah. from this point in. Well, they're playing Melbourne at Metricon. Yeah, well, that's exactly the sort of game they should Purloin. Mm. So maybe we'll judge them next week in a game that is winnable. Because this game was not winnable for them. And let's be honest, it was over by half time. I hate that. I hate having games in the fixture now that, you know, uh, you know before. Yeah. You know, it's almost, although we were fates are complete. We we were saying a few weeks ago, weren't we? Though that the home ground advantage is on the wane, um, but but 
yeah, I mean, that's probably... I can't think of another game in the season that you would put down as a foregone conclusion more than West Coast in Perth against Gold Coast. Which is you? why when you're up by 39 points at half-time and you need to build up the confidence with a strong win, this was an opportunity missed for the West Coast Eagles. No, I agree. Did not... Was it Adelaide or Port Adelaide that had a home... Adelaide had a home game against Gold Coast when they were in a funk. And they used that game to start the momentum that now sees them back in the, in the hunt. Mm. It's exactly what West Coast should have done but didn't do. What about... Uh, was it two years ago when Gold Coast had a home game in Perth? <laughs> yeah, they were against Freo. It was the Commonwealth Games. Oh, it was last year. It wasn't was last it? year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a financial. It was a f- financial windfall for a team that's got all their bills paid by the AFL anyhow. Yeah, strange. fair point. Strange. All right, let's move on to Sunday. All right, three on the menu on Sunday. The first at Marvel Stadium and uh, North Melbourne. Their second win for the year, and a smashing it was, 18-12, 158-point victors over a very, 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 very disappointing Carlton, 8-14, 62, five goals to Cameron Zerha. I wonder what the odds would have been on that before the start of the game. Four to Ben Brown, playing himself back into a bit of form. Two each, <coughs> pardon me, two each to Simkin and Goldstein. And for the Blues, well, two to Silvani, two to Cripps, the rest singles. Good players. Oof. How many for Carlton? Two. Walsh hung in there, Weetering had a crack. Fisher. Good, good. He was good. I, I, a bit of run. I thought he was their best. He had the run. A bit of speed. A bit of, a bit of, elec- a bit of electric. Um, Zebel sat on Cripps yes. pretty effectively. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cripps was... He works himself into that quarter time. I reckon he had one touch, but he now, works himself into now it. Uh, a good uh, opportunity for me to explain too. I, I tip Carlton, and the difficulty here is we tip on our Thursday podcast before the teams are released. And uh, had I tipped after the teams are released, I'm ninety nine point nine percent certain I would have tipped I, North. I, you knew that Simpson and Cruz were out though. Mm. They're pretty big outs. Yeah, look, McGovern. McGovern and Kerner, uh, McGovern, pardon, uh, McGovern and uh, Newman. And you, I think Newman was publicised. Yeah, McGovern did tip it for a lot of people. They were terrible, Carlton. They were absolutely shocking. I, I just well, expected said, more you, fight than that. You said on, because I tipped, I, I was very confident North would win. And you said quite, I liked what you said about Carlton, a team that's sort of losing but showing something. Mm. Get to a point can go one or two correct. ways. Yeah, you did say that. I picked the wrong way, but <laughs> but at least you would have known very early on oh, the way it was going. I did, like about the ten minute mark. But it, you really would have known, wouldn't you? It was five five to two behinds at quarter time. I mean, Ben Brown in the first quarter kicked three goals. He'd been so out of sorts, mm. uh, and Liam Jones, we should mention. Um, yeah, uh, that was uh, shocking. You know, that. Thoughts go out uh, with with Liam. I'll talk about that a little bit later, in yeah, hot or not, but um, he is in hospital tonight, and uh, hopefully Bob's boy comes through uh, unscathed. I'm sure he will. So, the to me, the biggest indicator, the biggest problem that Carlton had in this game was their terrible delivery into the forward line in the first three quarters of the game of football. Harry Mackay, if you have a look at the stats had a terrible game. He didn't have a terrible game. Whoever kicked to Harry Mackay was 
terrible. But it wasn't just that. It was some How many times did it clear him and, and Tarrant would just sit back there and mark it or somebody, or Macmillan? But terrible. even, even um, one thing that struck me was the amount of stupid handballs they were giving off to guys that were flat-footed or surrounded. And Like I said, you know, like I said, Paddy Dow did that a few times. Like, I love I love Fife because you see he's got these brilliant hands and he, his teammates when they're under pressure they give the ball to him. Mm. Carlton do exactly the same thing, but Cripps was being well held. There's no use. It's called abrogation of responsibility, isn't it? When a player gets the ball and he just doesn't want want it because he knows it's hot. That's not that's not good. Carlton are becoming expert at sort of shooting themselves in the foot because they'll. They'll do something that encourages you and then just bring something like that to the table. Here's almost the most significant figure from a day, Carlton home game, 42,430 yeah, people against North Melbourne. They have got – that's a great pickup. And they pick will up. have been very, very pissed off. That's a really good pickup. Not a big drawing time slot. Mm. You know, the Sunday early. Yeah. Uh, Marvel, it's a nice place to play footy, but – it doesn't get you that extra 10,000 you can get at the G. And that's on That's the, a very big crowd yep. of disappointed people. And on the back of their first win and then it's a game that they should have won decent. against Hawthorne. It's so. just, the appetite for them to be good is enormous amongst a lot of Melbourne football fans. Which is incredible in itself, isn't it? Imagine saying that 20 years ago. Well, more power to the stickability of some of their fans because they haven't seen much, but that's a great crowd. Um, so are we... Let's talk about North. North yep. uh, can they resurrect their season? Do you think, or are they? I mean, if we're saying Melbourne's know. gone, um, they're the same win loss tally as North. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if North can resurrect their season. As you pointed out, there are teams out of the eight that are much better than North Melbourne and Melbourne. Yeah. That being said, they would be very pleased that two two players that are now almost been on the vine for too long. In terms of, they look like really good prospects, Dumont and Garner, mm. and they've just been really uh, sort of, um, they're, they're like waiting, they're a playing circling, waiting to land. And they, in, in, uh, injuries in Garner's case, yeah, mainly. Okay, well, for, for various reasons. Mm. They were both pretty good today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, today they looked like these these big body damaging footballers that are so tantalising. Yeah. It's Carlton, Carlton were off. They need to parlay this into something else, don't they? Mm, rather that, than purloin? Yeah. Uh, if this is parlayed for those two players into ongoing, consistent good form, then there is a real upside for North Melbourne. Well, it, it's up to those players to take advantage of a good game and make it a good month. I concur. All right, let's move on to what was uh, pretty unilateral, unilaterally agreed to be the match of the round. And I speak, of course, of the country game, the big country game between the Cats and the Bombers. And uh, it was a good setup there today, finally. They had the VFL, the curtain raiser on before. You don't get them too often. You had the farmer's markets and lots of country exhibits in the uh, Yarra Park. And you Did had... you get any free range? Did you pick up a chicken? <clears throat> no, no. And then you had uh, John Williamson singing Walsing Matilda. This was quite curious pre-game. So John Williamson sings Walsing Matilda. They asked the crowd to stand for the singing of Walsing Matilda. Which was a bit odd. And then... But did he not sing his... his... He didn't sing, fortunately. He didn't sing... Hey, no, Treble. I did that on the Essendon podcast this week. Don't say you cringe. I'll do the next one. Yeah. Say so you knocked off for a smoko 
and you'll be back later on. Hey, Tree Blue. This, you know, he does like, hey, Tree Blue. Excuse me, are we ready to go on this? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, you know what? He, so he did while sing Matilda, and he he dialed it in fine. It was the most sort of apathetic rendition I've ever heard. I'll sing Matilda. Uh, and he got come he, on St Kilda. He asked the crowd to sing the chorus, and, he they, didn't know and, it? and they no, well, the crowd didn't really get into that. So, <laughs> anyway, um, just like Essendon didn't get into the game, finally because they could, they, not, they could not get a foothold. Could they, they conceded the first three goals, got that back, um, but then it was Geelong all the way. And um, yeah, look, to, I don't want to undersell Geelong's performance because they were great. I thought it was equally impressive by the Cats and equally unimpressive by the Bombers. I thought it was a really lacklustre show from the Dons, and they got beaten pretty much everywhere. I'll tell you one thing about Geelong, and we talk, we've talked about, you know, what's where's the improvement come from. <clears throat> Definitely the um, the result of, of the various tweaks is a far more potent and productive and efficient forward setup. At one stage, they'd had... Um, it was something like five inside fifties for three goals. No, it was more than that actually. They had sort of seven or eight inside fifties for five goals. It was their delivery in there was clean and quick, and they were taking marks. In, they were constantly finding targets inside fifty, heaps of space. Um, they did it really well, and uh, they did it. Remember, without Selwood, who was a late withdrawal, and uh, Dangerfield, you know, was sort of compromised by a bit of a. I think rolled an ankle. Yeah, less than 10 touches. He was completely compromised. So uh, made the win even more meritorious. BOG, not for the first time. I thought there were three standout players for the Cats. Tim Kelly, particularly early when the game was there to be one. He yep. was, yes. he's a dynamic player. Thought Gary Ablett was terrific again, got better the longer the game went. What a waste of time that report was. Oh, yeah, no, that'll get thrown out. Um, and uh, Tom Stewart, absolutely sensational as that rebounding defender off half-back. It yep. was like Essendon, Essendon made his day even easier by picking him out continually. Didn't you like Atkins' game? Yeah, look, they were all good. It Atkins, was a, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed by him. Yeah, no, he's good. Good he's story. Good. Great story. Well, they've, they've added so much of that um, defensive pressure up forward through him, through Myers. Rowan, who was quiet today, uh, Dowhouse. Myers. And Myers. Yeah. yeah, Myers is a gun, isn't and he? And Delhouse, yeah, he's a big tackler, isn't he? Well, what I love about Myers is he's a footballer. He's a footballer first and foremost, not an athlete. And um, I'm not saying he's not athletic, but uh, great goal sense. and Really good goal sense, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I picked the- it, uh, what was the game they played? It was the interstate game they played. It might have even been round two or three, and he kicked a ripping goal, and I thought, oh, yeah, you, you can play. And he's got that goal sense. You know, I've seen him, like... 35 metres out, but the goal square's empty, and it was like a, a wet, a sort of dewy night. Mm. So he kicked it, and it skidded through from the top. And then other times, he knows when to sort of lift it up in the air to give, kick it sort of high and soft enough to give a forward the opportunity to contest the ball. Yeah. He really understands the timing of football. No, he does. And that you, it's sort of rarer in younger players now, so yeah. it really stands out when you see it. No, look, full credit to them. They're, they're great. And uh, at the moment, de- like I said earlier, they and Collingwood, for me, definitely the two standout teams in the competition. Essendon were great today. They grated. G-R-A-T. Oh, for yeah. a team that played so well against Collingwood, can you talk me through what went wrong? Um well, what went wrong is they weren't switched on. They weren't allowed to play the game they wanted to play. However, 
that happened on Anzac Day too, and they were able to work through it and find another way to be competitive. But that required a lot of hard work and a really disciplined and tough mindset. And today, there were just too many of them not switched on, and yes. that really worries me. I almost as a feel supporter. as the group, but quarter time, I've, you know what feeling I got in the second quarter? Gee, we worked bloody hard against Collingwood. We didn't get the win. And you know what? This team's sort of as good as Collingwood. We're going to have to work bloody hard again. I don't know if we're going to win it. And it was like, that's too much work in two weeks. No, it was a really, um, from that point of view, it, it was a really worrying loss because it, it, it was the loss of a side that thinks it could be a contender and, and discovers it isn't. You know what looked bad? Because Stringer only has one gear at the moment, and that is balls out full on. I like, love the way he's playing. It didn't look out of the ordinary against Collingwood. It seemed as though everybody was playing yeah. like that. Yeah. He really, he just looked to be playing at a different tempo to the other Bombers. He's been, too, I reckon if they had the best and fairest now, he could just about win it. I think he has been Essendon's most consistent player this year, and um, credit to him. He, he's been terrific. I thought the other plus, I thought Darcy Parrish was pretty solid. Oh, yeah, um, yeah better, better by him, wasn't the, it? The thing about Darcy is, he's, I don't think he's ever going to be a match-winning type. He's going to be a sort of, um, you know, a solid sort of foundation to build a win on. I don't think he has the attributes to sort of win your games. Uh, beyond that, pretty disappointing all round, really. Uh, Dyson Heppel struggled today. David Zarakis didn't get much of it. Um, I thought Tom Bell Chambers got beaten by Stanley in the ruck. Why did they play Francis as a forward? He, he got uh, taken away from that three years ago. I'm right? glad you brought that up because I thought, Looking at the game, and I had to preview it for the Essendon website, I thought they can go two ways. They can bring in a, a de facto key forward, which Francis would be, a pinch hitter. Yep. Um, or they could go back themselves to go with a smaller forward line against a, a back line that could be exploited for pace because it's not – they don't have – Geelong doesn't have those small running defenders. So I thought they missed an opportunity there. It showed a conservative mindset with selection, and I think they were – punished for it, but not as much as they were punished by going in with a, frankly, not a fierce enough attitude. It was a really disappointing loss by the Bombers. And I hope that McDonald Tipping Woody is not becoming one of those players who, if at half time he's had a bad half, starts thinking about next week. Yeah. He needs to be able to turn it. Turn, look, I saw him against St Kilda. I thought there was something wrong with him. Mm. The next two weeks, he was your max winner. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it now it, appears, this year at least, if, if he doesn't come out and is involved in the game in the first quarter, then he's not going to be able to fight his way into it. He's a bit feast or famine, no question about that. Uh, meanwhile, like we said at the top of the show, the Cats bowl along a game clear on top of the ladder quickly. Rowan, this is an easy topic for me to discuss because it was umpire appreciation round. As an ex-umpire, I feel umpires get a heck of a bad go. Mm-hmm. But I thought some of the umpiring on one of the umpire was clueless today. I know who you're going to say. It does. I don't care. I don't care whether it's a male, a female, or a womble. And I know. I bet I know what decision you're talking about. First the of all, deliberate out of bounds against Devon Smith was he? It was a yeah. miss kick under yeah, pressure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know, it showed. But there was also I can't remember who it was. Reece Stanley was thirty metres from the play, and an Essendon player just knocked him down, mm. and they showed the footage of it. And this umpire, Laney, mm. was staring at it. Yeah. It, she, it, like, she saw it. Yeah. Sorry, oh, there was some 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, but to extend our discussion on the umpiring from Thursday, which, by the way, people seem to enjoy that discussion we had about the umpiring, the Smith one, yeah, I thought it was a, a shocking decision, but then I thought about lack some... Of, lack of understanding. Yeah, but I thought about some of those that have been paid in the last couple of years, and I reckon there's been other... I'm saying it's yeah. not... I'm not singling that. I just think there were a few bad decisions today, and yeah. we've got a game still to do. We've had the weirdest umpiring I've ever seen. All right, well, let's do it. So, round seven finished off in the city of Churches, and in the end, a 17-point win to the Crows in a dour, low-scoring affair. Seven goals, 9-51, defeating Fremantle, 5-4-34, 39 disposals to Matt Crouch. Great game by Cam Ellis-Yolman, 33 touches for him, Sloan, 33, Laird, 32, as he gets every week. Uh, Nat Fife, terrific for Freo's, having a great season. Mundy, very good. Uh, Luke Ryan in defence, impressive. However, I cannot go past this, Finey. A half-time score in perfect conditions of two goals two to one goal six. I don't care. It was the best game of the round by a mile. It was a ripper. I find that hard to believe. Oh, I know, but look, I know you're committed with Essing Long, and you have seen some of this game. Mm. Watch the game in full. Brilliant, brilliant Fife. Mundy. Just willing himself with great skill. It just happens that there were stars at both ends of the ground and they were the defenders. Look, uh, McCarthy and Hogan are not great forwards, I don't feel. And Walker was beaten comfortably by a great game by Pierce. Good body size. And when Walker's beaten, he gets beaten well. Okay. So there was no spearheads. Okay, so so are those low scores, you're saying they're a reflection of great defence yes. rather than overly cautious hanging on to the ball? There was no hanging on to the ball. This was okay. a action-packed... This was like a final. The ball was bouncing around. There was no... People might think, especially with Fremantle involved, there was a lot of... Keepings off. Mm. No way. Mm. This was a hard, tough, ripping game of football. Sloan at his best. Fife at his best. Uh, Riley O'Brien, I'm going to talk about shortly, are a ripping game by him. Okay, okay. so let's talk about, let's give it and some... And then a brain fade by Darcy Tucker that was so sad, I just can't believe it, it happened. By the way, uh, the game clinched in the end with about two and a half minutes left on the clock by yet another Eddie Betts special. Picked up yeah, the crumbs in the forward goal. pocket, daylight between the posts, but it, it'll, threaded it. In a low-scoring game, they're a goal down. And by the way, Darcy Tucker had just kicked a beautiful goal from 55 metres out. They, Fremantle are coming out of defence. They're about, they kick the ball. Whoever's got the ball, might have been Collier, um, spot, I think it was Collier, spots up Darcy Tucker on the boundary, 70 from goal. Mm. He kicks it, and it's just out of bounds on the full. Tucker marks it, but the band run by correctly says on the full. And Darcy Tucker being a forward, I don't know what he was thinking. He's not used to it. Do you know what he did? He dropped the ball on the ground in front of him. Straight uh, away, he picked it up and threw it to Alex Keith. But too late. But too late. The umpire paid the 50, and Keith kicked his first ever goal in football. Well, that's funny, because it, it, was it the Carlton North game today? You see so many games, but there was definitely a game I watched either today or yesterday where a player was given the free kick and the player who had to give the ball back gave it back to the wrong guy. Yeah. And it was just let go. And, and the guy didn't go, hey, 50. You know, well, so. you remember what Nick Rewalt did a few years ago in a close game? Uh, yeah. Somebody, I think Josh Bruce took got a free kick. Or, I think Gilda Ford got a free kick about 55 out. But oh, then, and Rewalt called there, for the there ball. There were a few guys going for it 
and Rewalt called the player to give him the ball, and yeah. I gave it to him, and yeah. it was 50 metres. Yeah. It was clever, but... Was that no- in Perth? Yeah, I think it was against Freya. Yeah. It was clever, but mean. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was Darcy Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, l- let's give this some context quickly. So, Adelaide, you know, for all the crap that they've copped, yep. they are now sixth on the ladder with uh, four wins and three losses. And I now believe and, Freo can make it. And Well, three wins in a row now to the Crows. Yep. Fremantle uh, fifth on the ladder and four and three. I think they can make it. Uh, what about Adelaide? I, I don't think Freo can. I do think Adelaide can. Oh, they can, but they, they just can't be relied upon because they need a better forward, a better key forward than Taylor Walker. What they do have now is, gee, Alex Keith, is, he played beautifully again today. Mm. Uh, Talia is back on song as a defender. Their, their defence works really well. Their midfield, when Sloan plays well, when Sloan plays well, you've got the crouches, it's very good. Mm. But their forward line is the concern. Tom Lynx was great today, didn't hit the scoreboard. Bet's still dangerous. I think they have to play Jenkins, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about their forward line isn't great. If you've got Walker, Lynch, Jenkins and Betts in the mix, there's a fair chance you can fix it up, I would have thought. I think they need Jenkins because <clears throat> Walker does not work most weeks. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. I... I, I just, yeah, they're three in a row now. I reckon they might start making a bit of a push towards the top of the ladder. One last thing about that game, yep. please. If you haven't seen it, by far the best moustache in football I think I've ever seen. There is a man who must have come to the game on a penny-farthing bicycle. Oh, it's Gallucci. Gallucci. It? Yeah. He has the, he it's ha- a ripper. Yeah. He has the moustache of a man who lives weights, but the, but the weights on the end are round. Yeah. You know, the old round ones. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, shouldn't, he be, pe- shouldn't he be selling gelati off Glenelg Pier or something? No, he should be selling tonics and and uh, herbals. And <laughs> That's good. Oh, he, he gives good mo. He, with his top hat, he parked his penny farthing outside the ground. <laughs> yeah. Gallucci made his way into the ground and died of septicemia before quarter time. All right. I think, I think we should probably leave wrap around there. Let's now talk about some of the highs and lows of the weekend in football. On Footyology, hot or not. All right, uh, I'm starting very, very positive tonight, and uh, I reckon a few people would uh, agree wholeheartedly on this. Um, Friday night's game between Port and Collingwood, I could take or leave. Um, it was pretty much done and dusted early, but the absolute highlight of the evening and almost the weekend was the fantastic treatment of young five-year-old Kyron Maguire, uh, who tragically has a brain tumour and um, apparently really struggling and um, not his uh, outlook isn't great at all. So uh, he was made welcome by Collingwood during the week. Uh, he went into the club, met all the players. He um, led the players out onto the ground and threw the run-through at the start of the game. And then at the end of the game, um, was chaired off by uh, Adam Trelaw and Scott Pendlebury, uh, led the team down into the rooms and was in the huddle singing the song after uh, after the win. And I can't remember too many games of footy where I've I've cried, Finey. Well, not since I was a little kid, but um, I just couldn't. My <laughs> the tears just welled up and flowed freely because it was just a beautiful, beautiful scene and 
Um, you know, his dad was so overcome by it, and this little kid just beaming as he ran through the banner with the rest of the team and then being cheered off. Uh, you know, it was just so – you could see how special it was to him. But it was also special to the players. Nathan Buckley remarked on it. Um, gee, I love scenes like that in footy. And I guess, you know, we often criticise footballers and football clubs and overlook stuff like that they do. And I know a lot of clubs do it. I, I saw a, a similar sort of scene at the Melbourne Hawthorne game after Melbourne's win on Saturday. But this was just a beautiful, beautiful moment and a reminder that, you know, it's far more to life than winning or losing games of football. But the way uh, young Kyron, you know, was had his wish fulfilled and was treated by the club and the crowd, it was just uh, it was a beautiful thing to, to see and um, uh, a, a very big hot to Kyron and all the best to you, young man, and uh, well done, Collingwood Football Club, because it was just a it was a magnificent thing to uh, to witness. Don't start me because I did, I teared. I, oh, it was it was, and I'm now I, on my life. I'm now again. I could I'm welling up again. Yeah. I, it was a whole. It, what put me over the edge was the father. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still. I guess well, as, yeah, as fathers, you just well, you can't imagine. You can't but imagine da- what it'd dads, be like to be in that position. Yeah, dads, you think of your your own kids. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want to um, relive it. Not because of anything. It was beautiful. I don't mm. want to relive it because it's it's a, a pastiche beyond tears. Really, it's so yeah. you know sad, sad, beautiful, and sad. Okay, for me, my first hot is Bailey Smith. Now he's a bulldog. He's played every game. He's the Bogan from Malvern, East Malvern's finest mullet. Yeah. His um, parents go to every game. They love it. He loves it. But he's now, it doesn't even look like a 100-gamer. Now, there's all the talk of Rising Star this year uh, has been Sam Walsh, who's really quite rightly been proclaimed as the best number one pick after seven games we've had in a decade almost, when you have a look at them. Uh, Connor Rosie, an exciting player. And uh, Brian Myers. Mm-hmm. You'd put in the mix. Mm. Well, why not Bailey Smith? He's oh, getting, no, good he's getting call. twenty-five plus hard touches every week. Well, what what stands? Oh, you know what goes against him? What the mullet? No, he just doesn't look like a first-year player. <laughs> yeah. um, what stands out for me that is that he's been good even when they've been bad. You know, that's yeah, a pretty that's good right. sign of maturity as a football. He's got two problems. He looks like a third-year player. <clears throat> And there's that many Baileys, first names, surnames, and that going on at the Bulldogs. You don't know which one's which. Mm. There's a Bailey Williams. A, you know, it's hard to... I don't know about East Malvern. Finally, we've got mullets now. We've got tattoo shops. It's just something East Malvern I grew up in. The hard, the mean streets now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. East Malvern. Yeah. All right, now it's... Are a, you still having trouble with the kids from Glen Iris? <laughs> <laughs> no. It used to be the Geordie boys. When you got the train out to Waverley, you had to look out for the Geordie boys. Uh, and apparently, you know, if you were on the platform at... Well, I don't know, after 10 o'clock you got beaten up or something. You're always... Were they actual people, the Geordies, or is that a region? No, Geordie as in Jordanville, J-O-R-D. It was a big housing commission Jordanville, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's when reality crept into the leafy east. Oh, it's probably been gentrified now. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Um, all right, uh, a knot for me and a very, uh, very big knot. We just talked about these two teams in the game review, but I can't separate them fine. It's not often I do this, but Carlton and Essendon 
are oh. a joint not hot for me. Oh, Essendon's a bit better than Carlton. Uh, yes, but the the uh, the storyline is the same. Um, two gallant losers from last week. Uh, both w- would have come away without the match points, but thinking, you know, we got a real lot out of that and we can use that to spur us on to a better performance. Big test for both. We mentioned 42,000 Carlton fans turning up. Big game for the Bombers against the best-performed side in the competition, and both of them stunk it up, just didn't fire a shot. Lost by 58 and 32 points, respectively, against North Melbourne and Geelong. Uh, The Blues kicked... Well, the Blues actually kicked more goals than the Bombers. Eight goals to the Blues, seven goals to the Bombers, and a big F in terms of the test for both those sides. They will be bitterly disappointed by both those results. My my next one is a not... It's not not in the normal sense that I'm critical of something. It's just the understanding of how cruel sport, especially a 365-degree contact sport like Australian rules can be. And when I saw that Liam Jones incident, this a brave young bloke going back, took a, a great grab, it required courage, Zerhar as well, only eyes for the ball. They clashed heads and it was pretty sickening if you haven't seen it. No, the, there's no sad ending, but, you know, this guy, Liam Jones, was out before he hit the ground, and then his head hit sort of the hard part outside the boundary anyhow, mm. and and you just, I felt sick, and I thought, the courage required to play football is enormous, and sometimes the end result of that courage must, for family and teammates and just spectators, it can be, it can be so hard to watch, because that was, that was... Like a you know getting 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 hit by by a bus, it was really bad. Well, those ones where you can tell they're out cold before they hit the ground, they're the ones that really are frightening to watch. It reminded me of one with was it was it Alex Rance and a Bulldogs player? There was one where a, a Richmond played a Bulldogs player at Marvel some years ago. Hit heads. Uh, well, so it wasn't Hawthorne Bulldogs, was it? Didn't Jordan Lewis? Oh, maybe, and... Yeah, maybe it was Hawthorne Bulldogs. Anyhow, it was out cold. It was that mid-air out cold. Mm. And you realise, oh, they're gutsy, these footballers. Yeah, well, all the best to Liam. Uh, it sounds like he's, you know, he's not in serious... No, 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 no. He's Why? hospital tonight. Mm. Um, but and we don't know how long he'll be out with the concussion. But no... No immediate concerns in terms of regaining consciousness or any injuries to his neck. Well, that's a good thing. All right, I'm going to finish off with a hot. Uh, you went with Bailey Smith. I'm going with Aaron Norton. Had to happen, finally, because that was one of the great uh, key forward performances, uh, not even just this year, but the last few years. It's been a, a tough old battle for uh, goal-kicking key forwards, but this guy was just terrific. God, he took some fantastic marks. Uh, certainly one of the best exhibitions of contested marking that there's been, so much so that he is now a joint second placeholder in the most contested marks ever taken in a game on record of nine. 14 marks in total for Aaron Norton and five goals. Um, just uh, three of them coming in a, a huge burst in the second quarter, and he was just in the zone. It just got to the stage where he was just saying, "Just put it up there, boys, and I'll take it." And he was he was taking him, and it's interesting, isn't it? I think last two weeks people have been talking about, "Oh, you know, backfired here because this guy was a really good key defender, and he was fourth in the best and fairest." And 
what's Bevo doing? He's thrown him forward and kicked a couple early, but he hasn't fired a shot since, and they've they've worked him out. And you know, let's cut our losses and go back to the status quo. Well, I think you can postpone that for a while because he was absolutely terrific and exactly um, one of the missing links the Bulldogs have needed. And you know, if he can play half that well, uh, he'll be serviceable in that role. It's just fantastic to watch a key forward taking hangers and kicking goals. We don't see nearly enough of it, and uh, it was a lovely thing to watch, Finey. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well said. He's got a great pair of hands. Learning that forward craft takes time, but we could have another Jeremy Cameron on our hands. Hopefully we do. My uh, final hot is Adelaide stand-in ruckman Riley O'Brien. He must have been emergency 20 times those last three years. Uh, but never really a chance to play while Jacobs is in the team. Dominate in the sandful, waited and waited and waited. First couple of games was a bit dodgy, I must say. Uh, he's a big boy, he's mobile, he's starting to feel very comfortable at the level and was a key component in their win over Fremantle. So well done to big source replacement. Sort of sauce has gone out, that tomato <laughs> sauce has gone out. Yeah. What's what's big Riley O'Brien? He's, he's sort of a... It's I'm, a big boy. Oh, something with a big, bold taste. I think he might be HP sauce. HP? Okay. Worcester. I think we were talking about that on Thursday. Yes, it's a recurring theme. Okay. All right, well done. There's your hot or nots for round seven. Um, here's an idea, Finey. Okay. Let's go off our chops. On footyology, the rant rant. <laughs> Right, no messing around, Finey. I'm going first. Count me in. Three, two, go, Rocco. I'm pissed off with the even competition, Finey. Sure, it sounds exciting in theory, even if it's terrible for your tipping. But no one told us when they said even. What they really meant was some teams just being not quite as bad as others. Finey, is any team actually much chop anymore? Seriously, you can take your Collingwood, Geelongs, Richmonds and West Coast. How do you reckon any of them would go against Brisbane of the early 2000s, Geelong of a decade ago, or even Hawthorne of five years back? I reckon it'd be ugly. We've had seven rounds now. You know, just one team has been able to win any more than three games in a row? That's Collingwood. But don't try to tell me the Pies are some sort of super side. They lost on the MCG for a third time in a row to West Coast only a month back. And yep, that's the same Eagles who got belted by the Cats last week and only just managed to put away Gold Coast at home last night. Anytime we start developing a narrative about this side or that, they go and stuff it up. That's what Richmond did against the Bulldogs. Carlton on the improve? Check out the Blues' effort today, as bad as anything they rolled out in 2018. Essendon had a lot of hype about three wins and a supposedly gallant Anzac Day loss. So much for their newfound resilience, it lasted about 30 minutes against Geelong today in an absolute Barry Crocker. And the Cats? Yeah, they look pretty good right now, but they did also lose at home to GWS, who themselves got beaten at home by Fremantle. And what about the Dockers? Well, they were part of a classic first half in Adelaide, you say. Two goals to one. Yeah, that's classic. Melbourne victory and Wellington Phoenix managed more than that at Amy Park on Friday night. In fact, I reckon Carlton would gladly take Costa Barbarousas right now, Finey. At least he would have scored that one off the ground. Levi Casbolt couldn't put away from about five metres out at Marvel Stadium. So, yeah, we've got an even competition. But my old junior footy under-12s comp was even too, Finey. Come to think of it, I think we scored more too. Let's hope this weekend was just a blip, because it's only round seven, and if it was a bit of a malaise, God knows how ordinary things could get by mid-season. Don't get upset, Rowan. 
Oh. I know Essendon lost. Oh, just, I don't think it was a great round final. No, it probably wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I admit that. Okay, well, it's only round seven. We should still be in the, the throes of football ecstasy. It's uh, shit or sugar, unfortunately, at the moment, mate, and we've got no sugar this weekend. Family podcast, mind your language. All right. What, uh, can kids go to the toilet? Yeah, very good. All right, three, two, one, rant. Rowan, I was the other night went to a uh, one of those typically Australian sort of nights. Uh, parents were there, ordered takeaway food, kids running around. It was really an enjoyable evening. I love those nights. And one of the dads came up, and I had not met him before, and he uh, very keen to meet Finey. I thought somebody remembers, and he said, uh, love footyology, which is a great compliment to us. And then he said to me, I wonder if you could do me a favour. I said, what? He said, my son, look, I'm back from Melbourne, and my son's a, a Demons supporter, and the wife's from Perth, and he's thinking about changing to the West Coast Eagles. And I don't want him to. I, you know, I love going to the footy with him. I said, bring the little fella in. He said, oh, he can't. He, he's working at uh, one of the local pubs. He doesn't knock off till 11 o'clock. I said, how old is he? He said, he's 22. <laughs> I said, mate, 22, he wants to play football teams. So here we are once again that I have to read out the rules governing the changing of football support. I'm surprised I have to do it again. These are the rules. The oldest age at which somebody can change the team they barrack for is eight years and six months. After that, you are allowed to change from eight years and six months to 12 years of age under extraordinary circumstances. Three of them exist. If your family moves interstate, you may change support to the team from the state that you now live in. Two, if a league footballer either goes out with your older sister or moves in next door across the road and offers to take you to a game, you can, between the ages of eight years and six months and 12 years of age, change to barrack for that team. The third and only other reason that you can change between those ages is if you barrack for Melbourne. Now, after that age... The only time you can not change your team but add another team is if you are the parent or grandparent of a son or daughter who is drafted by an AFL club. You can then have dual support for the period at which your son or daughter is at that club. If they play for more than one team, you cannot bear it for three or four. Pick your original team you keep and one other team. Look, these are hard and fast rules. They're not negotiable. We live in a society that rightly lets us change many things. We can change our job. We can change our name. We can change our address. We can even change our spouse. Husbands can take a new wife or a new husband and vice versa. No problems. We even accommodate, quite rightly, people who feel they are of the wrong gender. You can change from man to woman. Or woman to man, but you cannot change your football team unless you follow the guidelines I have just explained. So for the 22-year-old who wants to change from Melbourne to West Coast, go find a girlfriend, have a child, get him drafted by the Eagles, and in 30 or 40 years, or 20, if you're quick, maybe you can bang for both. Otherwise, mate, you're a friggin' demon for life. 
Uh, strong words, and uh, I agree with them. I think there are certain um, incontravenable uh, rules that go with barracking for footy. Rowan, if you turned up next week as Rowena, sans moustache, in a dress with boobs, I would say I've nothing. Got boobs. I would say nothing about it. If you had, if you became Rowena Connolly, mm. if you came from communist to fascist, so be your choice. But I would be aghast. If you changed anything about Essendon to another club, I think you should have gone around to this man's place of employment and delivered that sermon face to face. Oh, look, he's a Melbourne supporter. They wouldn't understand. No, okay. I can, I can understand why they'd want to. Anyhow, Does he work at was, a wine bar or a pub? He, the bottle shop. Uh, oh, that's not very Melbourne. It's, uh, that's one thing. If it, if I had one more person calling bottle shops bottleos. I'll oh. go spare. That is a Sydney term. Yeah. Sydney people put O on the end of things. Well, what about now you go to get like a, a pot or a schooner? We're, since when have Melbourne Schooners? Pub- yeah, What's Melbourne schooner? pubs. You, they ask you. I don't know. And a midi. I don't get it. I don't what's like a, these blurring a, of state boundaries. What's a midi? I don't know. Something I don't drink. Is that a mid-strength? I don't know. Schooners are... I expect... If, if I ordered a schooner, I'd expect a glass in the shape of a large ocean-going vessel <laughs> yeah. to come filled with mead. Take a while to make I'll it. i have a schooner. Right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, that's about it for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope your team won or didn't get beaten up on. And uh, make sure you visit footyology.com.au for all the uh, finest football analysis and news, and make sure you tune in next Thursday to our Round 8 preview. And, uh, Fanny, make sure you get down to Andrew's Andrew Burgers. Look, 144... Just the tonic. I'm jumping in. I was sitting back there. I'm, I'm re-energised. You forgot to talk into the mic. It doesn't matter. I was leaning back. I was down. I okay. was I was relaxing. Yeah. But I hear Andrew's hamburgers. 144 Bridport Street, South Melbourne. 80 years of serving hamburgers, uh, Albert Park, not South Melbourne, 80 years of serving burgers, they've seen the suburb go from the toughest, you know, waterside workers to gentrified, and all the while they've hung tough and made the best burgers in Melbourne. I love it. Well, and, after 80 years, they've mastered the art. And so is Nick Spartel. He's the builder to the stars, and you can have a piece of that if you live in inner-city Melbourne. You know there's two types of music down south in America? Well, hang on, hang on. We're throwing to yeah. the end of the show. Now, I've got to provide the link here. So, oh. it was the country game today. Big you, loved, game. you liked the pre-game, um, the, the zeitgeist, the feeling. I did. I, I liked everything up until John Williamson opened his mouth. And I think we could have done much better in terms of a pre-game song. And I thought this suggestion of yours was pretty good. You know... Down south in the United States of America, in Tennessee, Oklahoma, the southern states, Garth Brooks is a hero. Mm. And the, there's only two types of music down there, country and or uh, uh, western. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they both suck. That was from that was from Blues Brothers. We play both types of music here. Country, it's like Alexi country Sale. Country or western. It's like Alexi Sale. He says there's jazz and there's modern jazz, and they're both shit outs. I agree with him. Uh, this piece is for all you members of the NRA. <laughs> okay, so who is it? Garth Brooks. And hon- the song is? Honky Tonk Bar Association. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Yeehaw!